evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player Podcast. I'm your host, J215 Forever. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Anchor. The best way you can listen to this app is to download the Anchor app. Once you download the said Anchor app, well, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, and many, many more, it'll automatically um, go right to your feed and you'll get an automatic notification, okay? That's how you support your boy. Please like, share, and subscribe. Let the channel grow. Today is July 7th. We are post-game one. Now, I know what y'all thinking. Well, where was my game one preview? I kind of seen some stuff going. Um, plus, this is only game one. We can still do our predictions for the series and a little bit of preview for what we expect going on. I do got my guest, my man, French here. French, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? All right. And as always, French, let's keep the noise in the background to a minimum, man. All right. Now, listen. Um, let me pull up the ESPN.com real quick. Uh we got a lot of stuff to get to, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, we're going to do, like, let's do a quick order. We're going to do finals, ESPN, maybe a couple of draft questions, but I got to hit them with the breaking news. Unfortunately, last night's uh, game, Suns forward, a.k.a. the homie, former Sixer, Dario Sarek, suffered a torn ACL. And let me tell you something. Dario is a tough dude, man. He can take a hit to the face. He plays through injuries. And when I seen him limp off that court, I was like, man, it was pretty bad, man. So um, prayers up to Dario first and foremost. And uh, it's a speedy, quick recovery. Thankfully, Dario did sign an extension. So he's under contract for the next two years as he recovers and continues to be the players he go. And even though he's not a great player, he is a big part of the um, team because I always say they need you when they can't go to the alternative. And their alternative is Frank Kaminsky, which they were blitzing last night, which is just – it's just an ultimate panic move. But forget all that. Last night, the Suns defeated the Bucks 118 to 105. There is a lot to get to. I got a guest on. So, as always, we're going to leave with our guest. French, give me your number one. Give me an instant reaction, but give me your three keys to why this game was the way it was. Uh, my instant reaction was. It was a really good game up until the third, halfway through the third quarter. I agree. Um, you know, I think Milwaukee came out. Giannis played, which was a shock. I know to me and you, we had talked about that. Yeah. Um, and he came out, and he was aggressive early. Yeah, he, you know? his energy was good. Um, I think he had a quick dunk where he pushed Aiden out the way. He had another one on the pick and roll. He dived to the rim. He's just active, and you've seen that. World class athleticism on the screen. Yep. Lord, I think I think you did a great job of coming out early, setting that tone. Now, early on, Milwaukee was missing a lot of shots, and so is Phoenix. And when we were talking, I was saying, whoever starts making shots is going to win this game because that's just how it looked. And Phoenix started making those shots. And to me, the three biggest takeaways are simple. The biggest thing is Giannis isn't anywhere near 100%. I don't even I, – honestly, from what I saw throughout the whole game last night, and you could really see it on defense more than offense, I would say he's probably closer to 80, maybe 75%. 80% is good enough to play in the finals, though. It's good enough to play in the finals. It's not good enough, I don't think, for Milwaukee to win the finals. I agree. Um, so they're going to have to figure that out. The second thing to me is Chris Paul. 
I was very interested to see if, you know, the finals would be too big for Chris because that's been the thing that's been missing from his resume his entire career. And, and Chris, you know, he came out a little shaky, but that's kind of been his M.O. all season in the playoffs. First quarters have been rough, and then he gets into the swing, and once he got going, it was over. I mean, they abused Brooke Lopez, abused him. Yeah. It was him and Devin Booker. It was switch every single play, isolation, go to work, and Milwaukee couldn't do anything. And then the coaching. I, you know, I've been I've been getting on Coach Bud now for about three years, <laughs> and I I was gonna stop. I said they made it to the finals. That's a, a good thing. I, yep, and I said I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna leave him alone, but I can't do it. I can't. It's it's terrible coaching because even if Giannis isn't capable of doing Giannis things for four quarters, if they're going to put DeAndre Ayton on Giannis, then you have to post Brooke Lopez every single possession down the floor. Mm. Because when they did that in Atlanta for the last two games of that series, that's when they took over that series. And Atlanta had no answer. So if they want to play that game, DeAndre Ayton on Giannis, and, you know, we're going to put Jay Crowder on Brooke Lopez, fine. Well, we're going to post with the foot advantage we have in height and about the 50 pounds we have in weight. Okay. And, and you know, and the, you know, the little honorable mention, I'm going to give him a one-game pass, and it's the only pass I'm giving anybody is game one. True Holiday, you got to step up, Doug. Yeah, I would give Giannis a pass before I give Holiday a pass. Um, uh yeah, um, I agree with you. You did all three of your points, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you for the most part. I'm going to go a little different in order. I'm going to say one, Budenheiser. Two, Phoenix is overall just ability to play well in the game one of the finals when there's a lot of nerves and there's a lot of, you know, restlessness. And three, um, I'm doubling down on what you said, Drew Holiday. But let's go to number one, Coach Budenheiser. And listen, I got to agree with Mike. Mike is, he gets on, but I try to let up, let up, hey, let up, you know. I always say the NBA is a lot harder. Anybody can sit at home and critique, you know. But with that being said, the consensus game plan for the Milwaukee Bucks was to switch. And they don't have the starting five to just switch everything. Now, I know they had success versus Atlanta this, but putting Brooke Lopez on Devin Booker and Chris Paul, it doesn't make any sense. Both can pull up on the mid-range. Both players are quick and savvy enough and have good enough ball handling to immediately get to the rim. And to me, your defense does not work until you until you start to dictate what the offense does. When the offense gets restless and when they're throwing the ball away, I saw zero pressure on Chris Paul. And, and we are back. Apologies. Um, I actually... I don't know exactly what happened, but the audio from the second half of the podcast, it did not process, so we have to redo this again, but that's okay. So French had just given his three points, and listen, my counter three points initially was that you cannot switch Brooke Lopez onto Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are two of the best ball handlers and pick and roll creators in the league. Um, They can shoot, they can go to the rim. They can pull up for mid-range. They can hit the three-pointer. And you're not doing Brooks Lopez any service by putting him in drop coverage, all right, or switching. So, to me, my biggest problem was Mike Budenholzer. I just did not like the game plan. Listen, to me, I like an aggressive defense. Your defense does not determine 
the outcome of the game until it starts to attack. Okay, so maybe some trapping, maybe some double team something. But Chris Paul was way too comfortable the entire game. Uh, number two, overall, I liked it, Phoenix's uh, demeanor. It's the game, one of the finals. You know, a lot of guys can really bad. But I thought everyone played well from DeAndre Ayton with a double-double, 19-18. and 18. Chris Paul, phenomenal with 31 points. Devin Booker, even though he shot – uh, 8 of 21 from the field, still uh, got to the free throw line 10 times. And speaking of free throw line, that was the difference. I don't think this game was as crazy as people seeing it was when you look at the final score and at one point got to a 20-point lead. Free throws, missed shots by Milwaukee, and uh, Drew Holiday just not performing well. Now, speaking of Mr. Holiday, listen, French gave him a pass for game one. So game two, which is tonight, you got to step your game up. All right? I need 25. I need 25 too. I need, right. listen, I'm gonna go. I need 25 and I need at least five and five. At least. Mm, yeah. At least. And I, yeah. And, and listen, and I need what I need to do. You know who you know. You're a great player, though. This is your moment. This is it. Your whole life, you played basketball. This You made it to the NBA. Once you made it to the NBA, you got individual accolades between first team all defense and an all star. This is it. This is your moment. And you never know. Back to the finals. You don't ever say we'll get there next year. That's not guaranteed. Things happen, changes, teams change, the league change. Oh, and this, right. listen, this has to work, by the way. This is my last thing on Drew Holiday. This has to work. You gave away all of your assets yep. for Drew Holiday when the Bogdanovich deal didn't go through so if he doesn't perform well and you lose the finals I don't know what you do next year right because I mean you have your team you have your core and your bench is filled with veterans that don't make a lot of money right so okay so as far as tonight give me your three keys for Tonight's game, and uh, I'll give you my three keys, and then we'll pick a winner for the night's game and do a winner for the series. Okay, so to me, I think the biggest thing tonight's actually going to be the DeAndre Ayton-Giannis matchup. Mm. DeAndre Ayton cannot get 19 rebounds again. That cannot ha- He can't do 20 and 19. It can- and he should have had 20 and 20 if Chris Paul didn't steal the rebound from him at the end of the game. <laughs> but that can't happen. So, And that's a mixture of things. Like you said, that's Milwaukee missing layups. But that's also Giannis not rebounding hard enough. And if he's not healthy, you need to put in Bobby Portis because Bobby Portis can rebound. Um, The second thing to me is the Chris Paul, Drew Holiday slash Chris Middleton matchup. Because I thought going into this series it was going to be Drew Holiday on Chris Paul. But what we noticed in game one, there was a lot of uh, Drew Holiday actually on Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. And and Chris Middleton on Chris Paul and PJ Tucker on Chris and, Paul and PJ Tucker on Chris Paul and I think the problem with that is is PJ Tucker and Chris Middleton while they're both really good defenders they're not necessarily the greatest pick and roll defenders Drew Holiday excels at defending the pick and roll that's what made him elite defender in the league he needs to guard Chris Paul I'm more worried about Chris Paul going off costing me a game than I am. Devin Booker, which gets me to my third point. The foul situation. Was there a discrepancy in the calls? Yes. 
do I think Phoenix was getting certain calls that Milwaukee was not getting? Yes. Do I think it would have changed the outcome of the game? No. Because I think Milwaukee was just flat overall mm. team, game one. Mm. I do think going into game two, though, I don't really – like. I'm to the point where I don't want to see anyone in the first quarter from Milwaukee shoot a jump shot because they shouldn't have to. <laughs> they, I mean, like, if, if DeAndre Eaton's guarding Giannis, put Giannis at the point, put him at the top of the key, everyone else has a matchup that they can drive. Absolutely. And Brooke Lopez can pose. So, to me, yeah. that, that's my three. What do you got? Um, so, I'm going to go with Giannis aggression. Uh, Giannis had 20 points, which is – Listen, 20 points is a bad game for Giannis. He's that good. Yep. So, I need Giannis aggression and transition. So, one, I need some turnovers to get some easy offense for Milwaukee. Um, also, I need them to do a better job of getting Giannis the ball, pick and rolls, uh, maybe dive to the rims. Just, listen, you got one of the best athletes in the world that has one of the highest percentages of finishing at the rim. It is not that hard to run plays for him to score. Absolutely. Right? Make DeAndre Jordan move his feet. Even if DeAndre can stay in front of him, as far as a pick and roll, because he's always in front of the rim, he cannot run with Giannis. I don't care how good of an athlete he is. Um, number two, Chris Middleton aggression. So Chris Middleton did play well, but he can draw fouls on Devin Booker. Devin Booker is the weakest defender on the floor, and he started to a little bit yesterday, but then he kind of stopped and started hunting threes. He has to assertively go at Devin Booker and draw fouls, and two and a half would be um, Chris Paul posting up um, – excuse me. Drew Holiday posting up Chris Paul. Chris, he did it like one time in the game and left it alone. And I just feel like that's an advantage. And he has to score and be assertive. And maybe that's a way to get easy buckets. Yeah. Number three, yeah. Mike Budenholzer. Don't panic. Listen, I think you win this game with Brooke Lopez playing 30 minutes. All right. You have to figure it out. All right. If you play drop coverage, then you better see some help from the weak side. And you're going to have to start rotating on shooters, and you're going to have to move you behind, all right? But Brooke Lopez, if he has Jay Crowder on him, he should finish with 25 points. If that's the primary matchup, they're going to put the whole game, he has to finish with 25 points. And he hit threes in game one. So even in his limited minutes, he was the third best offensive player. So, listen, well, Bob Porter's struggling, Pat Connaughton playing terrible, and Brian Forbes, whatever he gives you offensively, he gives back defensively. Yeah. It's very important that you focus on Brooke Lopez. Well, wait, can I ask you a question, Jay? Go ahead. And this is just, I'm just curious on the Mike Boonehoser thing. Do you think maybe Milwaukee implements a strategy similar to what uh, Phoenix did, where Phoenix came out right and put Aiton on Giannis? Which create, like, I think that messed with Milwaukee a little bit, right? Because they weren't expecting that. What if you're Milwaukee and you come out this game and you put Aiton in those uncomfortable situations? Because we know that there's no Dario Sarge. Mm hmm. So what if, you know, if he's guarding Giannis, cool. We're going to set screens at the top of the key with Drew Holiday. And then once we get the switch, we're going to go Holiday on eight in the same way they're going to go Chris Paul on Lopez. Right. Well, so a couple of things. One, even though I said, um, you know, you want to stay with Brooke Lopez, you can pull him out early and then bring him back with the second unit. As long as it gets the minutes. It doesn't matter when you get him. And two – I did like the Giannis at the five switch everything thing. I did think they kind of got the Phoenix and they bogged down for a few minutes. Yep. So I do want them to go back to that because, listen, with that lineup, everybody can move their feet and there's no weakness to expose. So maybe I'm going to say 25 to 30 minutes for Brook Lopez, but I want maybe close key moments, maybe with about six minutes till three minutes or seven minutes to four minutes. I want some Giannis at the five lineup just to switch up the looks. 
Okay. And last but not least, predictions for the night game. I'll let you go first, French. I go Milwaukee. I go Milwaukee. Underdog. I go Milwaukee by double digits. Um, not, and I'm not going to say it's a blowout, but I do think it's double digits. I think, you know, it's going to be hanging around six or seven most of the game. And I think they pull away late in the fourth. And it just ends around maybe 11, 10 points. And, and here's my thought behind this. I just, I don't believe Drew Holiday will play as scared as he did in game one. And I don't know if he was scared, but that's how it looked. He did. He was passing up open Maybe shots. Nervous. I ain't gonna say scared. Okay, yeah, he won't be as nervous. He was passing up open shots. Yep. And this isn't a guy that normally was gonna pass up a wide open jumper. So I don't believe he's gonna play as bad. I don't think Giannis is gonna play as timid either. I think Giannis is gonna have to get in the paint, and he's gonna have to put in work in the paint. Um. And I think, to me, the other thing also is defensively, like you said, I think they were really bad defensively. Really, really bad. And I just don't see them playing as poorly defensively on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I just, I just don't see it. And I think the refs are, you know, you know how the NBA refs are. They took some heat after the calls in game one and Milwaukee getting, like, none of them. Don't be surprised, people, tonight if Milwaukee – is going to the free throw line pretty early in Austin. Yeah, so I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say Milwaukee Bucks 114, Phoenix 106. Okay. Uh, I got a double-digit lead. I just expect a couple of things. One, I expect Book Lopez to play better, Drew Holiday to be aggressive. And I think I got it, like I said, the free throw disparity. Giannis is going to get to the line a lot more. He actually shot pretty well the other day. And um, Chris Middleton, I think some foul trouble is coming this game because with the loss of Dario Saric, listen, two things are going to happen. Either you're going to commit to Cam Johnson playing 30 minutes or you go ahead and put Frank Kaminsky out there and you're going to get toasted, all right? You make the decision, Monty, but if you put Kaminsky out there, the Bucks better toast that dude, man. And the problem is, too, with Cam Johnson is if you put Cam Johnson out there, you're going to ask him to guard Chris Middleton. Yep. You're going to ask a rookie – to guard somebody that's been an all-star. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So we're both, to see what they we're do. both like the uh, Milwaukee plus four and a half. The line's four and a half right now. All right, so while we're doing it, let's finish, the, finish this up and let's do our series predictions. I'll let you go first. All right, so I'm going to go – I'm going to stick with Milwaukee and six. I think they split. I think they get the win tonight. And then I think everything else stays – you know, straight up, I think Milwaukee wins at home because it's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. And I think Phoenix will get game five at home. But when they go back to Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee gets it done. Yeah. And I think Giannis, you know, gets to give that city, you know, what he's been trying to bring them now for a couple of years. And I think Chris Middleton will be MVP of the series. Mm. Uh, we'll see about those numbers because if Giannis has 14, 13 rebounds, at least 26 points, they're going to push it towards them. As though it'll still have like three blocks and three steals. Yeah, but if he plays like game one. I don't expect him to play. This is his first game back in a week after hyperextending his knee. I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway, man. Um, I am going to stick with my pick. I'm going to stick with Bucks and seven. I don't think the Bucks ever lose a game at home. So you just have to steal one on the road, even though I still think Phoenix is going to continue to win some games in this series. Uh, but I'm going to go with Bucks and seven. 
I think every game Giannis will get better and better. The knee will get stronger and stronger. All right. And listen, you gotta you don't have to get DeAndre in foul trouble. He can stay on the court, but he cannot guard Giannis. All right. Now he can play ten feet back and when Giannis runs at him, you know, go for the block. But if you move him around, all right, I mean move him, screen cut, screen pick, dive roll, trap stunt. If you move him around, he should be able to dominate this series. And he gotta get some turnover. So I'm gonna go with Bucks and Seven. Um we did uh, before our podcast I was missing the other day called Something or Nothing. It was pretty fun. So we're gonna do that again. Give me one second. Uh, okay, something or nothing, French. The Cavs are definitely looking up to moving a number one overall pick. That is something. I don't um, think they got. The, I don't think they got the assets. They They're throwing, they may have the assets, and this is where I think they may have it. If they want to part with Darius Garland, I think that's not a go. But if they are willing to part with Colin Sexton and they are willing to part with Jared Allen and they are willing to part with, you know, they're probably going to have to get rid of uh, Chetty Osman too, I'm assuming, and some first-round picks. Like, it's going to take a lot. But I do think if Detroit likes Killian Hayes, then maybe you do listen to a trade offer. But I do think it's something because I think that means that if Cleveland starts putting guys' names out there, these young players, I think that means guys are going to move this season regardless if it's for the number one pick or for something else. Because once you put a young player's name out there, it's kind of hard for that player to not catch some sort of feeling. I saw it happen with my Lakers. So I agree. Uh, next one, you're going to laugh at this. Kyle Kuzma believes he can average 25 points and reach an all-star status. End that quote. I definitely can. I believe that, too. I don't really care what nobody thinks or says. I know myself. I know my ability. It's hard to be consistent in an inconsistent role. Something or nothing. I mean, this is something because I agree with him. I don't. And this is why I agree with him. I do believe that if Kyle Kuzma goes and starts nope. for the Santa Cruz Warriors in the G League, he can Wong absolutely average 25 points. I think now listen, if, on the Wong Dong Tigers, he might average 30. No, listen, this is I'm joking, guys. I'm being totally sarcastic. He couldn't average 25 in college. So <laughs> to think you're going to average 25 against better players when you're not an athlete, you, can, you, you can't rebound. You basketball IQ. You make yeah. bad decisions with the ball. Listen. You're talking about inconsistent role. You consistently got 20 minutes a game. And in those minutes, you didn't know your shooting was terrible. Uh, you didn't. You drove too many times. You, you looked at shoot before anything. And people always play you for the shot instead of looking for others, man. But could he get 25? Like, this is my thing. Mm-hmm. You're an I NBA player. Could you get 25 a season? Yeah, your yeah. team's going to have 14 wins. Hold on, short. Yeah, exactly. I saw Kevin Porter Jr. get 25 a whole bunch of times on the Rockets and lose by 20 points. So, yeah, you could do it, but your team's not going to be good. So, Kyle Kuzma, just uh, stop talking for once, please. Yeah, yeah, Play better. Something or nothing. Greg Popovich plans to work out Kevin Love ass off. Believes Olympics can rejuvenate his career. Something. Something because I've seen Greg Popovich do this one other time um, while coaching the Olympics. And 
that didn't necessarily go well. Um, and I'm referring to that, uh, was it the 08 team mm-hmm. with Kobe and LeBron and all them? And he did it with Melo. And while Melo did shoot really well in that particular Olympics, like that was the one where he was on fire from three, that yep. next season in the league, it just didn't translate. Mm. If people, I don't know if people remember that, but like that next season was one of his worst shooting seasons in the NBA. So with Kevin Love, I just think, I mean, listen, maybe this makes Kevin Love show the world that he can still play. But I know you, you just like me, I believe Kevin Love can still play. I've never questioned whether or not he can still play. But as a man, he just doesn't play. He dogs it, bro. Yep, and that's where I'm going to. When you say the words rejuvenated, well, what happened to your career that needs rejuvenation? Oh, you quit. You throw fits on the court. You roll the ball in. Um, the next time you said, I don't care, find me. I got plenty of money. They gave you a ton of money that you can financially secure your contract. All you had to do is go play hard. I understand the team's bad. You get paid every time. Unless you're not getting paid, you have a responsibility as an NBA player to perform well. You've dogged it too many times. Do not buy this dude out, all right? You're 31 years old. You won a championship. Stop crying. There's people with real-life problems. You playing basketball for a bad team is not one of them. I can't. I, I never want to win my team. You know what? I just want to say one thing, too. never want to win my team. Because I think people don't understand this. Because I see a lot of young players make this mistake nowadays. Kevin Love, I don't think people realize, he could have lived the rest of his life in Cleveland after winning that chip with LeBron and Kyrie and the way LeBron left again and the way Kyrie left, and he stayed. And if he would have just played out his career, even if the team stunk, I mean, this dude could have opened up car dealerships. He could have went out the right way. His life in Ohio, he wouldn't have had to pay for nothing. He would have been set up. Yeah. But you want – I mean, your dog – absolutely dog. It's crazy. Man. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a good one. Atlanta Hawks owner Tony Ressler, if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize, says he thinks the team – doesn't think the team will stay together. I'm not sure we're going to be able to keep every single player that we want to keep. Pretty good bet, but I'm pretty pretty good assumption that we will not. This is something, and this is, this is amazing to see because this is, this is realistic. And I think this is the right thinking for the Hawks. If you go into this understanding, you're not keeping everybody. I think that's the only way that the Hawks can continue to stay at that level they were at. Like maybe they don't reach the Eastern Conference Finals next year, but being a top, you know, four or five seed, making the playoffs, winning a round in the playoffs, I think that's definitely attainable because they have to know going in, are we keeping Herder or are we keeping Reddish? Right. Are, we, are we keeping Collins? We have to figure out those three questions. And then every other piece. And, you know, do we want to keep Capella, who did nothing against the Sixers and did nothing against Milwaukee? So, it's something. I think it's, you know. It's definitely something. Um, they got a lot of moves they got to make. And um, you as a Sixer fan, this is huge because if you can get your – as a Sixer fan, if you guys can get Reddish or Herder to replace the Danny Green's potential spot opening. That would so. be a good look. Uh, let's do three more. Um, I'm going to skip that Marvin Bagley one. Let's, let's have a little bit of fun. Kelly Oubre. Kelly, Kelly Oubre seeks a long-term deal that pays him upwards of $20 million annually. And that quote, um, teams such as the New York Knicks, San Antonio Spurs, Mavericks, Miami Heat can create the requisite cap space and will consider signing Kelly Oubre, according to multiple reports. 
this is something. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to just be realistic. NBA teams have to treat this the way that, you know, you should treat a homeless person on the streets. If you want to eat, I will buy you food. I'm going to hook you up, too. You're going to be good. And that's how I feel about this Kelly Oubre situation. If he wants to just play and understand that he's a role player and not a superstar, and he wants to sign a three-year, $45 million, three-year, $40 million, $48 million, get somewhere in that $15 million range, $14 million range a year, right. fine. But if you're going down the street and the homeless man comes up to you and says, yo, brother, I need $1,000 so I can go get high, I can't help you. And I feel like giving Kelly Oubre $100 million, $20 million a year, you're asking me to go get high. It might be enjoyable. Kelly Oubre has shown flashes. It might be enjoyable. But for the most part, it's not. It's not. I've never met a happy addict or a happy homeless person like that. Like, I just, it, this, is, this is fool's gold to me. We've seen him play. Like, stop me if I'm lying here, Jay. We've seen him play. Oh, we know what you. he does. He has moments where he can drop 40 in a game. And then the next 10 games, he's not dropping 20. Right. So I just, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. And, um, last one. This one's funny. Andre Drummond wants more playing time. <clears throat> um, a fan says on Andre Drummond's Instagram, and I quote, I wish you could dominate in a paint like Lopez, like for real. Andre Drummond responds, tell your coach to play me more and I could. Something or nothing. This is nothing because I refuse to talk any further about Andre Drummond. <laughs> but I know this is something to you. I know this has to oh, be something. Oh, it's something. It's something because it's nothing. <laughs> so I'll, t- I'll take this one. Listen, dog. When you're in a pick and roll, when you go against smaller players, you have the feet and the feet work to guard them and switch. But due to your laziness and your lack of focus, you reach too many times. Um, your energy goes up and down sometimes. Other than finishing and dunking at the rim, you kind of struggle with touch to score from inside 10 to 3 feet. All right? Um, you don't have any outside game. Uh, your passing is average at best. And like I said, your effort is truly inconsistent. It's my biggest problem with him. Yep. Some days he plays hard. Some days he's just like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. So, yeah, 30 minutes, so would you get more numbers? Sure. With more minutes, gets more numbers. Would you be effective when they continue to win? No. And I don't think he'll be back. The Lakers might bring him back, but I don't, I don't – I just think you could find somebody else. You could draft somebody. You could develop somebody. I just – I know I don't get with Drummond. Give me a young guy that I can develop. I'm cool. Dude, he couldn't um, give you 10 in the playoffs. You can get anybody. Yeah, chill. We, you, can, you can find a guy. You can always find a big – uh, let's switch over to the Rachel Nichols story. So a year ago in 2020 in the finals, Rachel Nichols had a private conversation with somebody and she was saying that if you want to give Maria Taylor, she wishes her all the best in her success, but don't give her a position and move me out the way. Basically, um, basically she was saying, you know, you just hired her for a diversity hire because you had a problem with the history of your diversity at your company, especially with women. Now, here's the problem. Um, there was a way to say what you wanted to say, but you can't, you don't have to put somebody down to bring yourself up. All right. And Maria Taylor is legit. Maria Taylor has a college Heisman vote. She has an NBA, all NBA vote. Uh, she does really well on multiple shows. She works hard. Uh, listen, I, I don't like to talk about other people's money, but I will say this nobody in life can determine what you're worth but you. All right. If you can get a number, get it. 
plenty of times there's NBA players that can get a contract that some may think they're not good enough for. Somebody signs it, no, you're good enough for it. That's how simple it is. So whatever number she goes for, that's her choice. But uh, back to the Rachel, Rachel Nichols thing, um, I had a bigger problem with Rachel Nichols' apology than the initial statement. Listen, you don't need to put somebody down and put somebody up, but she basically said, listen, this is my thing. I put my time in. You can give her other opportunities, but this is mine. All right? Now, listen, I don't know who determines what's yours, but if you feel that that's yours, that's your opinion. But, French, give me a little take on this, man. Yeah, I thought the apology was super weak. Um, I thought the comments were a private conversation, nothing crazy racist. I mean, I do think it was ignorant to act as though Maria Taylor has done nothing and isn't qualified. You know, the last time we saw this happen at ESPN was actually Samantha Ponder when she took over for Trey Wingo of uh, NFL Live. And people were like, oh, she's not qualified. It's like, dude, she's qualified. Like, before you say someone's not qualified to do their job, why don't you look up what they've done? So Maria Taylor, you know, with the college football, with the basketball knowledge, having played, it's like she understands the sport, but I'm not going to hold Rachel Nichols accountable for the initial comments too much just because I'm a believer of whatever you say in private is private as long as it's not crazy racist. And it wasn't crazy racist at all, but the apology was super weak. I thought Maria Taylor's comments today – or yesterday, actually, were, um, you know, it was they were very PC comments. They're smart for somebody in contract negotiations that kind of probably wants this to go away as much as Rachel Nichols wants it to go away. Because I don't think Maria Taylor wants to be defined by Ra- this Rachel Nichols comments. Yeah, so I'll give you a quote. Uh, so Maria Taylor posts on Twitter and Instagram, During the dark times, I always remember that I am in this position to open doors. And light the path the others walk down. I've taken some punches, but that just means I'm still in the fight. Remember, lift as you climb and always keep rising. And she always has pictures of her and other people at ESPN, women of color that's also coming up and just people of color and minorities. So listen, uh, this story comes down to a few things. I, I just really didn't like Rachel's apology. Uh, Giannis's free throw shooting was longer than it. I think it was super disingenuous. And she's been getting killed on the internet. And I think ESPN made a decision recently that they're going to remove her from the finals. Woods called her a bad teammate. And, hey, you get what you get. Um, Let's have a little fun and lighten the mood a little bit. So, French is going to give us the three most important people at ESPN. All right, go ahead, French. So, Scott Van Pelt, Mm -hmm. Stephen A. Smith, Mike Greenberg. And I think they all offer different things. Uh, Greeny gives you that sophisticated, like, dad approach, right? That 6 a.m., 8 a.m., getting ready for work. Here's the highlights of what's going on in the sports world. Very clean cut, not too opinionated. Um, and I think that's necessary for, like, you know, your old, over 40 crowd. And then Scott Van Pelt, he's the middle-aged cool dude where, you know, they talk about sports betting actively on his show talks about the highlights. He does the interviews with the players. And it's like, it's that late night after work, you know, you're just chilling. And then you got the company man, Stephen A. Smith, and he gets paid the most. And people hate on that. Guy works like 20 hours a day. Yeah, he works literally get up, first take, sports center, has his own show, does the late basketball games. It's does late sports yeah. center after the games. Yeah. It legitimately might be close to 17, 18 hours a day with just, like, mad naps yeah. in between. And this man's in his 50s, so, yeah, like, hello. When people knock on Stephen A, 
you might not like his opinions, but I don't see anybody else at ESPN working like that. Yeah, brother. working like that. And listen, this is what Stephen A. does. He draws numbers. All right, same just like the NBA on TNT. You wonder why that show is so successful? It's popular. Do these guys have the greatest takes all the time? No, but are they entertaining? Yep, and that's why they keep winning Emmys, man. Remember. And there's no cap. Yeah, yeah. There's they actually believe the stuff that they say, which is why these people are so unique to be in those sorts of situations and platforms. Like people think that the Skip Bayless and Stephen A. All that stuff is it's not cap. They really do believe that. Which is, you know, hey, I'm draws me in every day. Gonna have a little bit of fun. So today's Thursday. We're gonna have another podcast on Sunday. The game is on Sunday at eight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we can do a game two reaction, and then we can do yeah, yes. Uh, well, maybe or maybe Saturday. We'll see. I'm gonna get it in Saturday. Um. So maybe Saturday we'll try to get another pod in. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. So yeah, we'll try to get a pod in on Saturday. And do a draft, but we'll have some fun real quick. We'll do our favorite three players from the NBA draft, and I'll let you go first. All right. So there was some news today of a couple players I was shocked to see that are not staying in the draft. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna throw out some crazy ones here, right? All right, let's have some fun. Austin Reeves, Oklahoma, coming mm. out of Oklahoma, um, point guard. He's he's tricky, man, because to me he seems like a better TJ McConnell, if that kind of makes sense. Where it's like he's a bigger player for the position than TJ is, but I think his game does translate. Uh, maybe like a Thomas Sadoransky kind of. Mm-hmm. But he's an interesting one because he's going to drop probably second round, late first round, uh, but could definitely help a good team out as a backup guard. Okay. Um, I w- now, normally I would have said uh, Jersey Juzang, I think that's his name, from UCLA, but he just, oh, opted, to, he just opted to stay in college today. Oh, so. I don't like that. I think he would have been a late first round pick, man. That's what he heard. They said if he went back to school and, you know – progress on a few things. I think one of the things they were talking about was his jump shot. Three point um, Yeah. Then you know he might work his way into a mid round lottery pick. So but yeah. let's go with uh I'm gonna steal one of your guys I know you like a lot. And I'm gonna go with Davion Mitchell. Mm. Um listen in college he's an elite lockdown defender. He's not gonna come in and lock down point guards in the NBA. But you know I want people to think about a better defending version of Terry Rozier, mm. uh, a guy that can get hot from three, a guy that can dribble and get his own jumper, get to the rim. He is very explosive offensively, and he does play defense. So that's somebody I'm looking at. And he and has then, great energy, plays hard. Yes, absolutely. And then I'm going to throw another uh, random, not random, but we'll, we'll say a little under the radar now, and that's Corey Kispert. Out of Gonzaga, and I say that because he had a lot of buzz all season, top 10 pick. Coming into the tournament, he was playing well, top 10 pick, top 10 pick. And I even heard as high as, like, number seven or number eight. Mm-hmm. And then the finals game was not his best day, um, to say the least. Gonzaga's best day, period. Yeah. And, you know, then I've seen that his stock's fallen a bit. And I think people have to understand – when you're a spot-up shooter in college, especially, like, what Baylor was able to do was go small and then really have a guy be up on Kispert all game. That's not going to happen in the NBA, right? 
he's not going to get that kind of respect where they're going to put the best defender on the floor on him. So I expect his rookie season to look a lot like a Duncan Robinson. Maybe not going to give you a lot of stats, but give you 12 to 14 a game. Because mm. he's just going to be open. Yeah, he's got a good size too. Uh, so let's see. I'll go with one. I'll go with Trey Mann from Florida. French isn't a big fan. Ugh. I like the jump shot. I love the step backs. I like his handles. Defense is not good, but how many point guards in the NBA really have great defense? Uh, I like him as a six man, not as a starter, so a late first round pick. Uh, I just like what he can do with the ball. Number two, Jalen Johnson. Now, listen, this guy, according to French, quit on Duke. Quit. And y'all know I don't support quitting as much as I dog Kevin Love. But college athletes at that moment were not getting paid. So I got a little bit of a leeway. Um, so, listen, I still don't believe it. Even if I was in college, I wouldn't be happy if one of my teammates quit. But you have better opportunities. He's 6'9". He can handle the ball. He's got a jump, good jump shot. He's got a lot of upside, but he has to go to the right team. He has the talent there. But it's very important for a player like him to become in the right environment. And number three... Uh, I'm going to switch my pick from last time. I'm going to go with – where's my guy at? I'll stick with Kai Jones. All right, so here's the thing with Kai Jones. This is another guy that I think is going to fall in the draft. Um, Bleacher Report has him going nine in Sacramento. No way. I think he'll fall, like, in the late 20s. Uh, well, wait, a... Sacramento, don't put a pass on to do something. Yeah, you know, let me take that back. <laughs> Sacramento can do some dumb stuff. Even though I loved their pick last year, they got a really good player. But, listen, Kai Jones is a guy, if he falls in the draft, and, again, right environment, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, athletic. Um, French test says he has the worst IQ ever. Um, he can switch to a lot of players. He kind of defensively reminds me of Jonathan Isaac. Offensively, he has a high motor. He has a lot of athleticism. Um, his flashing of shooting, but there's not much shooting there. But again, I don't need shooting from him. I just need him to play with that energy and effort. Yeah. Any comments on uh, Kai no, Jones? I just think, like again, like he's just he's so he's a low IQ player. Like he'll be getting guarded by somebody six five, and he'll feel the need to shoot a three when he can just dribble once and go right to the rim for a dunk. Mm. It's just he just doesn't. He's a young basketball player. It's a lot like we saw with Giannis early in his career where maybe the basketball IQ wasn't the highest because he just hasn't been playing long enough. But look at Giannis now. I mean, I'm not saying Kai Jones is Giannis at all. I'm just saying Kai Jones is a young player who hasn't been playing basketball for that long. And sometimes, eh, not sometimes, a lot of times he just does stupid things. And that's okay. You got to grow and learn. So listen, Saturday, we are going to have our first mock draft. So we'll do first, we'll do our post-game coverage of tonight's game. We'll have our first mock draft. We'll do a preview for game three. Uh, we'll do top ten picks, and we'll do our favorite three role players in the draft. That sound cool? Sounds cool to me. So me and French, you got a couple of days to do a little bit of research. As always, like, share, and subscribe. Hashtag know your role player, K-N-O-W-Y-A. R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Once you hashtag, every single episode is on all every app, every single app. All right, you can go to Instagram, or you can just search on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, CastBox, Breaker, and many, many, many uh, others. All right, Overcast, and many, many others. Uh, any last words before we bounce, French? Nope, just looking forward to a good game, too.
Yeah, good game two tonight. Uh, appreciate French for re-recording the episode that kind of went out last night. This episode is five fifty-six. It'll be out by six o'clock. As always, like, share, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Put the story. Put the pod in the story. Tag your boy. Uh, tag me. French isn't the greatest social media guy. I am. I'm your boy. Uh, J two one five five one IG. Um, and let's keep it going. Uh, we will be back Saturday. Thanks for all the love. Peace.